Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we are going to be talking about how feeling that your spouse rescued you is actually at the root of many romantic feelings. And for people that don't understand what their partner means by romance, when their partner wants romantic behavior or, um, you know, feelings, this may be a very instructive episode. And a lot of people struggle with what that means, and I'll get into who struggles and why. Uh, Before that, please do subscribe. I have many more uh, subscriber episodes. It's a larger percentage moving into session, not session, uh, season three. And the most recent subscriber episode was your window to change is before your wife hits 40. And um, if that sounds kind of right to you, then, then you will get a lot out of listening to that episode, whether you are the man or the wife. Um, anyway, so w- what are we talking about today? I, I forget as I talk. So what is at the root of most romantic feelings? There has to be the idea, the illusion that there's only one person in the world for you and that, that you have found your person. People say that. I have found my person. And yes, most intelligent people understand that there are many people who could be your person, but it isn't everyone and it isn't a majority either. And, you know, in order, there, there are different levels of compatibility. And if you or your partner were with a hundred different people, there is, you would like to think that you would at least be, you know, above the 50th percentile in who they would pick, you know. And this idea of specialness is behind most love feelings. So women in particular feel very in love with their babies, and they usually think it's the best baby in the world, the most special baby, the most smart baby, and definitely the most cute baby, you know. And and that is normative, and it's healthy, and that illusion of specialness allows the mother to sacrifice all all of herself for the baby and to be happy to do so because this is the best baby in the world. And, you know, you got to feel a little bit like that about your partner, but you can't just feel like they're the best person in the world because that has nothing to do with you. So a lot of the times we're less romantic and by romantic, I mean emotionally expressive and really highly sensitive. So high sensitivity is frequently a proxy variable for romantic. People that feel deeply often feel very deep in the romantic sphere as well. And um, when women who are highly sensitive are partnered with men who are not highly sensitive, they tend to yearn for romance, you know, and this um, more deep feeling to be expressed by the man, and he doesn't really even know what she means. So I'm trying to tell you what she means to help you. And what she usually means is she, she, you may tell her that she's like smart and pretty and funny and like all of these things, but so are literally millions of other women. And she's not an idiot. She knows that. She's certainly not the most beautiful woman in the whole world. I mean, who, who would be? I mean, you know, that's subjective also. You may think that she is. If you're telling her she's the most beautiful woman in the whole world regularly, though, you probably don't need this podcast. So the, the, uh, what does the average woman mean who feels starved for romance? She wants to know that there is a special connection between the two of you, that you feel that she uniquely helped you out of being lonely and that you were lonely before her, even if you were with another partner or in another marriage or or you slept with women constantly. Um, she still wants to think that there is some special way that she specifically transformed your life and rescued you, made it better, made your life better by virtue of being in it, rescued you from feeling not understood and not connected or not not as happy or not as as something so 
it's like the fantasy here needs to be something that you verbalize. And if you don't really feel like this because you have a lot of resentment, it's going to be hard for you to say it. But, but at least you can understand what she's going for. And there are plenty of guys who actually don't have a lot of resentment and love their wives but just don't really understand what their wife means by, um, you know, like talking on a deep level or emoting or, you know, being expressive or whatever the case may be. Guys with avoidant attachment struggle with this, but also guys obviously on the spectrum struggle with uh, expression of verbal romantic feelings frequently. And guys who are more ADHD kind of can struggle with that in my practice from what I've seen. They can't kind of concentrate and focus as much in the absence of a crisis or some adrenaline rush to tell her things that they may even be feeling anyway. And also guys that were just raised in very emotionally inexpressive homes. Now on the other end, a lot of women struggle with this well, um, of course, as well. And these are more avoidant attachment women, uh, women on the spectrum. I mean, it, it's very similar, the, the same sorts of things. But because women generally have watched more romantic movies and are more verbal and more um, talk about emotions more frequently in their friend groups and go to therapy more frequently, they usually can say more things like this and kind of at least know what it means. Although some women kind of don't know what it means. And these are the women that also struggle in bed frequently to where, where the man feels very lonely and disconnected in bed and the, the woman is just phoning it in. The, the women also seem to struggle with verbal expression of emotion because they just struggle with intimacy. So in these cases, it, the man wants to know the same thing, like that you fixed their life and that you that he fixed your life in some way, that you were lonely in some way before him, that there was a need that he filled, that there was some sort of space made that, that was empty before he showed up, that you, that, that you felt rescued in, in a way. And that's kind of the best way that I can put it to show kind of the, the, the emotional import of it. You know, rescue is a word that many might think is dramatic, but there has to be a little bit of drama in an, an emotional relationship, you know, of any sort. Like you have to love your partner so much that you would, quote, do anything for them. I have a post about that, about how um, women, when women want the man to just say he'll do anything for them. That is a level of um, dramatic, you know, rhetoric, but you have to feel that it's true, just like a child has to feel that a parent would do anything for them. Even if push comes to shove, maybe your partner wouldn't give you a kidney. I don't know, but you have to feel like they would in order to feel like they truly love you, you know, and, and most people thankfully are not put to the test in that way. You know, and that they have to like choose whether or not to save themselves or save the partner. You know, like in a car is coming. Like most people don't live in in a action movie, but you know, you got to think that your partner might push you out of the way of the oncoming train, even if it meant that they got in the way. Other and you know, women have to feel like that. Most men don't think, oh, I would want my wife and the mother of my children to push me out of the way of an oncoming train. Maybe they will start to think that more as uh, the senses, the sexes equalize in subsequent generations. I have never in my life heard a man say that he wants his wife to be more physically sacrificing, unless it's in bed, of course, unless it's like, uh, can't you just cuddle me ever? You know, can't we ever have sex? That is a physical sacrifice, but not in the way that I'm talking about, about wouldn't you run back into a burning building and save me? It's like, no, you'd stay out here with the kids. So, okay. But e either way, the man wants to feel like there was a space in your life that only only he could fill, 
you know, and if he doesn't feel like that, and he, then he is at risk of feeling like the ATM or, or the, you know, childcare or the sperm donor, all commonly things that I hear from men who don't feel special and don't feel like the wife has any romantic feeling toward them. And women also then, when they feel that the husband doesn't feel anything romantic toward them, feel that he sees them as the childcare or, you know, the birthing womb or, you know, whatever else, the dinner maker, the cleaner, the cook, whatever. And even when they don't do anything, because I see a lot of people who have money enough that they outsource many, many things, they still feel like the person just wanted me because of basically my resume, maybe how I looked, or because I had an impressive job of, of either, either you know, the power couples I'm talking about, quote, power couples. Well, you know, I looked good on paper. We were in law school together. We were in med school together. Uh, you know, we, we got along, but does he really have any sort of romantic feeling toward me? I don't know, you know? And so this is something that I hear a lot. So I, you know, obviously in my Facebook feed, I'm going to see lots and lots of shit from other people, coaches, psychologists, whatever. And uh, one of the things I saw was like uh, something, so it just reminded me, and I talk about this all the time, about like, if you seem too happy being single, that may be why you're still single. So there's this like kind of ridiculous perspective nowadays that like you have to be completely happy with your life in, in, in total, just so happy, 100%, A+, and then you can welcome someone into your life. What the fuck are you going to be welcoming someone into a life that's perfect? It's perfect, man. Don't change it. If anybody is 100% happy being single, that is a wonderful sign to stay single. Because obviously you are living your best life. You are only going to end up worse. There's no more than 100%. You know, so it, it's only going to get worse if you partner. So if you, and I talked about this in, the, in my podcast, not all avoidant attachment is avoidant attachment. You know, some people just really don't want to get married. They want to live a life of adventure and freedom and they don't want to be tied down. This just used to be called like, you know, a perennial bachelor or something, you know, and now, you know, a woman could be that way too. Now that uh, it isn't socially uh, necessary for a woman to have kids, people could just decide that they like to be single, like the character Samantha in Sex and the City. So anyway, if you're completely happy being single, then what the hell are you adding this person in? They're always going to feel superfluous and they're not going to feel like there was really any need or yearning on your part to have a soulmate, a partner, a connection. You know, it's not like a friend relationship, a, a romantic relationship. It should be a best friendship too, or it could be, but it's something supposed to be even deeper than that. You have other friends. This is supposed to be somebody that on some level you feel like you can't live without. Even if, of course, as a functional human, you could, if God forbid they died, get up, take care of your children, you know, deal with the calling out of your job, make funeral arrangements. Of course, you could do all of this, but you have to on some level feel that you would be devastated beyond what you would feel with other people. And when people do not feel like the partner would feel this way, it's a very common thing that I hear women say, especially younger women in couples counseling and uh, with more avoidant men. Because it's interesting, uh, I talked about in my bonus episode, the most recent one, about uh, how women change between their 30s and their 40s. So in their 30s, I see a lot of uh, preoccupied attachment women dragging avoidant attachment husbands into therapy. And this was a lot of what I wrote about when I was younger. My blog started in 2014. You know, that was a lot of the people that I was seeing at that stage. And I was also in my 30s. And um, 
In the 40s, though, I see a lot of preoccupied attachment men bringing avoidant attachment women into therapy. So it's interesting. A lot of women by then have just kind of, you know, not, they, they, they always were avoidant attachment, but with the decrease in their hormones, they're like kind of not even in it anymore at all. They remind me of the avoidant attachment men, except that they have no sex drive, which is the one way that the preoccupied attachment women in their 30s get their husbands to be loving and connected and whatever is in bed. Well, if you can't even do that because your avoidant attachment 40-year-old, uh, 45, whatever your old wife doesn't really want to have sex with you, then you have like nothing. So there's like no connection at all, no intimacy, you know, and so I see this in both sides. But a big thing that the women say, the younger women, when they come into therapy is, I think that if I died, more than one woman has said this, <laughs> I think that if I died, he really would just get up and go to work the next day. <laughs> and they say this and it's, it really shows me what women are looking for and uh, in a relationship is somebody who would not get up and go to work the next day. And of course, these men have children. They would not just get up and go to work. They would have to, you know, do the things I said, navigate the funeral arrangements, call everybody, deal with the children, you know, but, but the feeling that somebody would just be able to get up and go to work the next day is not a pleasant feeling. And so what a, romantic feelings come from the idea that the partner would be unable to do this, you know, and for people that are scared of intimacy, they're like, what in the hell? That would be the most reassuring thing in the world that they could get up and keep ticking in my absence because everything's about the children anyway. And I would need him to get up and take care of the children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he would, you know, unless you have really married some, I don't even know what sort of person that would let your children starve and an unusual sort of spouse, but you people that like the idea of intimacy and connection want to think that the partner would be, you know, pretty devastated if you drop dead. And, and this is like a big, a big thing. Uh, it could be a good thought experiment to let you see, are you doing that? Are you letting your partner think that you would be devastated? If you've never said it, then they likely don't think that you would be. If you've never said something, you don't have to get into, you know, grisly details of their potential demise, you know, but you you could say, you know, if, if I ever lost you, if, if you ever left me, I would be devastated. That's a romantic thing to say that many people who struggle with romance don't even know would be a romantic thing to say. Or, and people, I can coach guys to say this in therapy because they really would be, you know, devastated if the woman left, but they never thought that they should say it. Some of them just never think on that level at all to verbalize that. And some of them think that that's like being a pussy, that's being weak, that's being a simp or whatever we call it now. And they shouldn't say something like that. That. Au contraire, you should say that 100%. That if, if the woman left you, you would be miserable. And the wife should say that to a husband too. Not every second, because then that goes over into borderline personality territory. If every day you wake them up and you stare at them and you say, if you ever left me, it would ruin my life. Well, shit, that's like out of, you know, a horror movie. We're not going to say that. But, you know, I don't know, every year would be nice. <laughs> Or, or something like that. You don't even have to say the left me part. You could say if anything ever happened to you. Even that level of stuff does not make the person uh, feel like you would be completely, uh, you know, just cool with them just dropping off the face of the earth, which is something that people think when they are married to these less romantic, more avoidant, less emotional people. So again, to recap, 
the idea is that your partner, if they've always wanted you to be more romantic, male or female, wants to think that they're, you weren't 100% happy when you were single. You were, in fact, waiting for someone like them. And if you really weren't, and that seems like a big um, ask because it's a huge lie, then at the very, very least, this podcast can help you deeply understand and empathize with why your partner's so damn upset all the time. (laughs) Because this is a usual thing and a usual feeling conveyed in romantic relationships that are, you know, healthy and happy, that there was a deficit before the partner came along, which the uh, arrival of of the partner remediated. And if this is not a known factor in your relationship or even in an unhappy marriage you feel that your partner is less happy that you came along and in fact never really wanted to be with you was always ambivalent and has been criticizing you from go well then you can see then why it's been so hard between you because particularly women understand that this alternate way of communicating is something that is done in happier relationships and she is seeing and hearing friends say or or you know seeing on TV or in message boards or whatever that people do say oh my husband sent me flowers and said I couldn't live without you you are the best thing in my life and they think what the fuck nobody's ever said that to me why it doesn't my own husband and say that and then of course you catch some shit later on and this can explain why if you really truly do not think that this is in any way representative of your relationship and it would be a bold-faced lie then you can either have more empathy for why your spouse is so upset and or you can use it as a catalyst to get into couples counseling because it is possible that there are grievous empathic ruptures which are prohibiting one or both of you from feeling this way and this way is kind of a necessary um, feeling in and and expression verbal expression in relationships where at least one person wants quote more romance so hopefully this helped you understand more of these crazy romantic people that exist in the world which you may be married to and um, i will talk to everybody soon thanks again for subscribing bye-bye